if you came to our church 20 years ago suffering with anxiety, and 20 years later you're still suffering with anxiety, we failed, I Mm. think, because we have answers to those kinds of things, and we need to help people through that restoration process. But I think all all too often what happens to a church, and I don't know if this is specifically our church, but is people come and they get comfortable mm. and then they stop the, that restoration process yeah. because it's difficult, right? But ultimately that's what we're here for. It's more, it's like, like I said, it's more than a social club. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a purpose to it and we want you to get to wholeness. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome back to OnRamp. This is our sixth episode. I mean, it feels like uh, just old hat already for us. You know, we're in the groove. And, you know, you're going to hear today, uh, we're not in the groove at all. (laughs) What is your name again? But today we are going to be talking about um, a lot of things, but mainly community and vulnerability. And so come join us as Jen kicks off the discussion on uh, going mental uh, in this episode. So... (laughs) Well, welcome back to OnRamp. We are here discussing... Um, community and state of the church. Um, And if you missed our last episode, it was on the state of the church. And we talked about how here at Northside Church, we're under construction physically, and we're also uh, transitioning as a church as well. So we're in this unique season where what's happening physically is also happening as a church community. And our vision statement at Northside is to be a loving community that reaches, restores, and releases every person to expand God's kingdom. And what I was taken with a couple weeks ago was this concept of loving community. And so I wanted to start there. I wanted to talk about what it means to be a loving community. Again, touch on the reason why we come to church and um, and then possibly throughout this episode, you might just see blank looks on our faces, which I think will be fun because we're quite we're not quite sure where we're going to end up uh, in this episode. But uh, stay with us. It's going to get vulnerable. Greg might cry. Um, Greg is not going to cry. Greg's not going to cry. <laughs> Jen, um, Jen is actually Jen is actually I don't know if you knew this about her, but fun fact. Jen is actually allergic to vulnerability. So stay tuned for this. So this is really more of an intervention than today, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, you two are my intervention. I'm scared. (laughs) So as a church, we've been leaning into what does it mean to be a community? And um, while we're probably speaking from our local context here at Northside, we also think there may be uh, similarities in other churches that you're a part of because our listeners are from all around the world, and we recognize that. So um, so starting there, what, what is it that um, is community in church? Where have you found community? And, you know, what is it that we're, you're focusing on in this season of, of trying to find community? I find this question interesting, and I'll, I'll be a bit completely honest with that. <clears throat> I joined Northside on staff during COVID, and so I found it really difficult to find community and <clears throat> know people's names. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was a Northside-specific thing or if it was a COVID thing and trying to join a church in the middle of that. Um, And so I previously have come from smaller churches uh, and community felt maybe a little bit easier because you knew more people and meeting people with masks and 
you know, a few at a time as things opened up and closed up and opened up and closed up. It was a real challenge for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that my biggest um, push towards community was starting a life group. And I remember the first night, as, as Joel has mentioned, being slightly allergic to vulnerability, uh, especially when there's new people and just not sure of what to say or how, to, how much to invest, like just that whole weird thing that takes place when you're meeting new people. And really consciously deciding, I, I want to know these people. I want to be invested in these people. And I want them to be invested in me. And so sharing stories and praying together has been a huge point of community for me in the last few months. To the point where every time I'm leaving a life group, I'm texting my sisters and I'm like, not my sisters. I'm texting my friends. I'm texting family sometimes. And just saying how much of a privilege it is to be with these people and praying and, and connected. And so for me, life group has been a huge part of finding community in Northside. Um, because Sundays... There's just so many people to meet and it's just so hard to connect in a way that's meaningful um, on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. So life group has been a huge part of that for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, actually, is, is I think Sundays are not really built for community. Mm -hmm. And that seems kind of funny to say, yeah. right, about our church service. But I really don't think it's built for community. You, we all come and then we all sit facing the same direction mm -hmm. and we watch somebody else and then at the end, we kind of have some conversations with some people that we kind of already know, but they're usually pretty surfacey. What are you doing for the rest of the day? How's your kid's soccer? You know, those kind of things. And then we go home. And it's not, it's not really built for community. And mm -hmm. I think that if you want to have real community, you have to be committed to something outside of Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in addition to Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, life groups... Um, you know, there's a there's hundred ways, right? We used to play on the soccer team together. That's a great way to build community. There's all sorts of outreach stuff you can do or you go do stuff, you know, you go to classes or whatever it is. Yeah. But there has to be, or you serve, but it has to be outside of a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. I think, unless you radically change what Sunday morning looks like because it's, it's not really built for community because I, I agree. Like part of community is vulnerability, right? It's I'm going to get to know the real you or whatever it is you're going to show of yourself mm -hmm. and you're going to get to know the real me or whatever I'm going to show of myself. But that's, that's where you start to build community is when you get a really, you got to get into a level that's deeper than what we do on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I had someone after uh, I talked a little bit about vulnerability uh, last week during a message and I had somebody message me after the sermon on Monday and he said, you gave us the kind of what, like the what to do is we need to build more community, but you didn't give us the how. Right. Like, how are we supposed to build community? Mm -hmm. yeah. And it wasn't, oh, we should have more greeting time on a Sunday morning. Um, his idea, his particular idea, which is a great one, by the way, is, you know, interest groups. Like, we like to hike, yeah. but we hike alone. Why yeah. don't we hike together? We like yeah. to work on cars, but why don't we do that together? Yeah. We like to... Um, I was going to say play poker, but that may, you know, be a little too much for people. Um, but whatever it is Just that you like money. to do, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, do it together. And I think that's also, it's, it's not super spiritual. It's a little different from, you know, maybe praying together or studying the word together in community. But it really is the first step to building community, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's the first step, though. I think you nailed it, right? Because I think part of the issue we have in the church is that we try, sometimes we try to be a social club to people 
who already have a lot of social outlets mm-hmm. in their life. And church is more than a social club. Yeah. And so I think what you said is the first step, but ultimately it has to be we're in community for a purpose. And you kind of have to figure out what that purpose is or where you're called to. Ultimately, you want to get to know people in your church at a deeper level, mm-hmm. but ultimately you want to be drawn to people who kind of have the same spiritual goals as you because that's where I think it can be really effective to be in a community of people and vulnerable with people moving along and growing in your faith with people that have kind of the same interests as to where you want to grow. Mm-hmm. But it has to be more than a social club. So what is, well, let me just let me put you on the spot here. Let me ask you, what are those spiritual goals to community then? Like if you were to have a sort of a sense of, okay, this is what I would l- want to see spiritually speaking aside from the social aspect of it. What would some of those be for you? And maybe, Jen, you can answer that as well. Well, okay, so I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. So I, like even in our home group or people that I talk with, I get a sense, and I don't know whether it's always been there or this is kind of a new thing, but it's, I get a real sense that people are very, um, they have a great desire to reach their community for Jesus, their local community, Mm -hmm. right? The Mm tri-cities where we live. And I think that there's a real but they don't know how to do it. So, you know what? I have kind of like an evangelistic spirit to me and I really want to be reaching out and helping people. I, I really want to help them get to know Jesus. I want them to move forward in their lives, but I'm not quite sure how to do it. And I've, you know, I've had this thing in the back of my head that that's, that's something where you could bring a group of people together and start taking them down that path, right? Which is to say, I want to learn how to be more effective in sharing my faith. I want to learn how to use spiritual gifts in the arena of evangelism and how I could affect people doing it that way, kind of the Jesus model. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that's one way that you could say, well, let's put some people together and form a little community and be vulnerable with each other about how scary that is and how I don't know what I'm doing, but I have a desire to move forward that Mm -hmm. way in my faith. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Jen? Yeah, I was, I, I, I think there's a place for interest groups. I think there's a place for, um, the, those common experiences to, as a, it's almost like the reaching part of the reach restore release, because, uh, some people will be attracted to that. will bring a friend along on a hike or, uh, you know, whatever we're doing, whatever interest group you have. I can only think of hiking cause I really interested in hiking and it's a beautiful day out today. Um, so that's where I am right now. Um, but I think there, there's a place for that because, um, I think of some of the people that are currently in my life, we have some common interests. And then taking the step to ask, one of my key questions that I learned from friends years ago was, what can I be praying for you in this season? And while it seems maybe cliche, it also focuses the conversation uh, around a God piece that can mm. offer an opportunity to to share and I always ask the question with the willingness to share a part of my life that I would like people to be praying for. So if we do it at Life Group, I don't expect everybody else to be sharing something and for me to be exempt from that. And it's been a real challenging posture to be able to say to somebody, if I say to somebody, how can I be praying for you? Um, Would you like me to pray for you? It just feels like often a gateway question into um, 
more conversation. But I think it doesn't have to be a life group. It doesn't have to be an intentionally long season. I think you can get community in the in classes or in um, seminars, in showing up for places and getting connected with people and just not being afraid to say, hi, I'm Jen. We might have met. I'm sorry if we have. There's just been a lot of people um, to meet. And, you know, I felt like on Sunday you gave us permission to to meet people mm. in the church. And I think the two services being together is a um, an interesting dynamic of the season because if you've only ever gone to the 9 or 9.30 or whatever time it's been um, and you're meeting people that are at the 11 or 11.15, it's, it's an opportunity to meet people that might have both called this church their church for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's permission in the season to get back into community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm thinking as I'm, I'm hearing as both of you speak is there's lots of places where you could, like there's lots of interest groups outside of the church. Um, there's lots of other places where you can gain spiritual knowledge on the internet. There's even lots of places you can find people to pray. There's prayer groups all over the world that you could join. And so I'm thinking, well, what is it about Northside that people would come to Northside? Like if Northside didn't exist, you know, if it was closed down, what is it that the thing that people would miss um, most about us in this community, right? And so, um, but there is a component I think that is, is common as well at Northside, which is the invitation of the Holy Spirit to be moving in and amongst all the groups um, and so I would hope that people would would appreciate and enjoy and want to be a part of a spirit-filled community. And um, so, I mean, what, what I love about church and what I would hope for people to come here for is that they would come and they would, you know, find God and, and have a real encounter with a living God. They would be filled with the spirit. And then whether it's interest groups, prayer groups, life groups, or whatever it is that they're doing, there really is this empowering of the spirit in what, wherever they, they go. And that's, that's something that I feel kind of passionate about here at Northside is, yes, that we would have interest groups. Yes, that we'd have life groups. Yes, that we'd have Bible studies, young adults groups, youth groups, all of that stuff. But really the emphasis on the spirit, I think, that transforms us is, I don't know, something unique about at least, I'm sure lots of churches are the same. <laughs> we are the but, only one that has the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but I, I feel like that's like a kind of a, maybe the X factor for me personally. Um, I can learn yeah. in a whole bunch of places and yeah. I can kind of find community in a whole bunch of places. Yeah. But um, I, I do, yeah, see the emphasis that way. I don't know, but if you guys want to jump in, you can jump in. Well, it's part of that reach, restore, release, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not enough just to reach and then get together. Our goal is that people are changed through mm-hmm. the restoration process mm-hmm. so that they can go out and reach, uh, or we can release them that they can reach more people, mm-hmm. right? So I think part of the, you know, that question of why I come to church or what's the purpose of the church is you better be getting whole at mm-hmm. the church, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then there's a problem mm-hmm. because that is God's desire for you. And so if you came to our church 20 years ago suffering with anxiety and 20 years later you're still suffering with anxiety, 
We failed, I mm. think, because we have answers to those kinds of things. And we need to help people through that restoration process. But I think all too, hap- all too often what happens to a church, and I don't know if this is specifically our church, but is people come and they get comfortable. Mm. And then they stop the, that restoration process yeah. because it's difficult, right? But ultimately, that's what we're here for. It's more, it's like, like I said, it's more than a social club. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a purpose to it. And we want you to get to wholeness. Mm-hmm. Um, but not everybody moves along that track, right? So... Do we have a problem admitting there's a, like, do we have a problem admitting that we have problems? Do you think that's part of it? Like, why don't people pursue restoration or this deep spiritual community we're talking about? Like, I don't know. What's keeping people? Well, I think the church hasn't done necessarily, and I'll just, I I am the last one that really likes stereotyping the church. Here we go. Stereotype coming. (laughs) (laughs) But I think sometimes the church in large areas has not done a good job of bridging the gap between mental and emotional health and spirituality. And so we kind of treat it as two different things that I'm a Christian and I'm being discipled in my, you know, my faith. So I might know the 66 books of the Bible and can tell you things about them, but that has stood alone from emotional health and and mental health. And so the church hasn't necessarily worked well in that realm. And I know for myself, that was very true until I did the counseling program, became trained as a counselor. And I started to see the power of these two worlds coming together and the process of becoming Christ-like, including my emotions Mm -hmm. and my mind and my fears and my anxieties and my depression and all of these things um, that it wasn't just about praying it away or um, like Jesus somehow miraculously healing me from anxiety. Mm. There was actual mental health and emotional health principles in scripture and in community. And so I see even the pastoral care that we're offering um, now, that is a beautiful thing to be able to walk alongside someone and care emotionally and mentally and spiritually and physically because all of these things um, are part of our journey and part of becoming more Christ-like. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think that I feel that I, I really like, am. Amen. I, I really He's am. Like just sitting I, over here. <laughs> I am. Like I'm. You know, we talk about this all the time. I I have recently. Okay, I'm not going to cry, but I have I've recently started really in earnest looking at my own personal wellness and I'm like 51 years old and this is the first time I've done it in my life and it is absolutely life-changing and there's a couple of things that I think I don't know I don't don't know if this is really but I'll say this anyways I think that in the church there's sometimes a fallacy that when you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit comes to reside in you that all your problems get solved like that or Mm. should get solved like Mm. that yeah. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Right? Like your spirit is redeemed immediately. Yeah. Your soul is a process to work on. And it's not just because you are a Christian doesn't mean you're automatically whole right mm-hmm. away. And I and I think that yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think that also there are just so many lies that we believe and it takes a while and and that influences how we act and how we feel and we don't even know that we are believing the lies. We don't even know that they're a part of what's inside of us. And I think that's, you know, Satan being so subversive 
um, that it's, we don't address it because we don't even really know what's going on inside of us. And I think part of that process of wellness is really, and part of that restoration process that we're talking about is, first of all, understanding what's going on on the inside of you. Mm -hmm. But secondly, understanding that the only person that can fix that is God. Mm -hmm. And I think we spend a lot of time trying to fix it ourselves, not necessarily as Christians, but as humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Is, oh, if you only do this, if you just do that, if you just change this. Ultimately, what it is, is that God changes us. And that's part of, I think, what you said of bringing the Holy Spirit into that restoration process. And that that, that, that is what it is. But mm-hmm. why don't we do it? I, I don't know. It, I'm, I don't know. Like, I look at my life and I'm like, why didn't I do this 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. I think because we stuff it down inside so much and we try to solve our own problems for so long. Eventually in your life, you realize that A, you can't solve the problems. And B, they're starting to affect everything that's going on in your life. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I hate to say it this way, but you know, memorizing scripture and saying the same prayer over and over, and listening to sermons week in and week out, um, I, are, are not going to do it. So, I mean, we're talking about your spirit is saved at salvation, and so your eternity is forever secure in that moment of salvation because your spirit is saved. Your soul, though, is being saved, mm-hmm. right? And your body will be saved in the afterlife. You'll get a new body. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, but your soul you? is, we'll go into that another time, Jen. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but I think your soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions, that's where, that's where I fight all my battles. All of them. All yep. of them are in that place. Yeah. And, and so I think as, there, there is a beautiful, I would say in the last uh, 10, 15 years, there is a beautiful shift, I think, of the church to value mental yeah, health. I would agree. To value yep. emotional health, to yep. emotionally healthy spirituality. Peter Scazzaro, shout out. I know you're probably listening, but, um, <laughs> you know, so there is this beautiful yeah. marriage of the counseling and the psychology world as well as the spiritual world in the church, I should say, because they're all spiritual to me. Um and so I think it's, it, but it's been refreshing for me too to pursue wellness, not as much as I would, I would like to, but I think to read about it and to study it and to, um, you know, go to counseling. Yeah. And I think it's been helpful for me as well because you just, I, I think we spend so much time battling something we think is just spiritual when God is wanting to lead you through wholeness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you're led through wholeness, you become now someone equipped with resources to help someone else through wholeness as well. Yeah. And I think it's it's just a whole area I think that we haven't spent enough time on as a church. And um, but I but I think it comes back to kind of state of the church. Mm-hmm. And I think you know we've seen I think in the season that our church is going through, we've seen some themes emerge. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe that kind of that wellness, inner healing, pastoral care is going to be one of the themes that will, I actually think it's going to be a theme of the church, global church, in the next generation. Because I look at, the, I look at people outside of the church, and these are the big issues that people are facing right mm. now. Anxiety, depression, fear, you know, name them all, right? Control. Um, and I think it's a little bit because of COVID, there was a breakdown in community. And so now that I've been forced to be so much with myself for such a long period of time, (laughs) it heightened the, oh, okay, awesome. And then we're getting back into community 
and realizing, okay, now your brokenness is with my brokenness. And you actually see it more when you're in community, bump up against things and you're like, ew. And so the invitation at this point of the church, I think it is one of the, you know, touchstones that we're experiencing is as we're coming back together in community, we don't want what we had. Mm -hmm. And there is an invitation to actually get to know one another and care about one another. And it's not that that wasn't happening, but we're just remembering it or tasting it again and experiencing that opportunity to, to be vulnerable again, to, Mm. to connect again. Um, and I, I think that is part of the season of Northside, especially mm. um, where we're at, is who are you plugged in with? Who are you connected to? Who are you caring about? Um, who cares about you? Who sees you? Who yeah. knows you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like it's one of those things that's harder for guys than it is for women, right? Like, I think that's, uh, and, and I only speak from my side of it, obviously, but I think there's a lot of guys out there who that hasn't been a real focus for them in terms mm-hmm. of their Christian walk is how am I really doing on the inside? And do I have someone that I'm being vulnerable with to, to really walk through that? And I think that this next season of our church, I think there's going to be a lot more of that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I, think, I think that's going to be a really good thing for us. I think too, I think a lot of men that are listening right now, um, I, I think I just want to say to you that you're going to find a space and a freedom to share who you really are. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes is like, I don't know if I'm f- like free to share myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I show you myself, if that's going to be met with mockery, yeah. laughter. Cause, cause let's face it. Like if we're just looking at media entertainment, you know, you look at TV shows for 20 years, I've been mocking, you know, uh, the husband role, the father role in the mm-hmm. home sitcom sitcom after sitcom is is a mockery of and i think so i think we feel like if we open up to each other we're going to be met with that same laughter that society's been laughing at for 20 years i think so too and i think jen touched on something as well Mm -hmm. around the covid season where we spent a lot of time with ourselves because we couldn't spend a lot of time anywhere else i think what happened for a lot of people was they spent time with themselves and they came to the incredibly painful realization that they don't really like themselves. Mm. Mm. And if I don't like myself, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm opening up who I am to you because if I don't like me, there's no way you're going to like me. And I think mm. maybe it's not that overt with a lot of guys. They don't put all the dots together or with women too, but I think there's a lot of that going on as well, is, which is I'm not really that big of a fan of me. Mm-hmm. And that's mm. a really tough place to get to and you need some help. You need some help to get there and you need some help once you're there mm-hmm. walking through and just understanding who you are and what your identity really is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I don't know. We could talk about this forever, but it's, <laughs> but it shows, I think the, the beauty in, in that, like to me, insecurity, to me, vulnerability, brokenness, this is the, like, if there's one place that you can bring all of that, if it can be the church, like that'll transform the church. The church will now become the safest place that, because to me, in some cases, the church was probably the least safe place. Right. Most people stay, stay away from church when they're having issues and they come back when those issues are solved. Mm-hmm. And yep. you ask them, where have you been for months? And they say, well, I just couldn't come because I was dealing with whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. If it could be the place where you bring that here for wholeness and restoration, uh, transformative. 
Mm-hmm. That, that is real community, right? Yeah. That is real community is I will open myself up confident that you will accept me for who mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. That's what the church can offer is I will accept you for who you are. Mm-hmm. And that is also the place that healing starts, mm-hmm. right? Is you got to be honest with where you're at and understand where you're at. The healing process starts there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, this has been an awesome episode. Um, we are uh, out of time, but this has been good. And I, I think, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have places to go next time. Uh, with with this topic of community, vulnerability, brokenness, all the good stuff that we love to talk about. Um, don't worry, we've been cringing on this side, you know, sharing some of our personal lives with all of you. But um, thanks for joining us.